It was drummed into me at an early age that there's probably four aspects that you need to try and be successful. And ideally, if you've got all four, uh, the sort of sky's the limit. And the first one's a real high level of intellect and intelligence. The next three really are, I guess, your ability to collaborate and network and get on with people. The third one is your ability to solve problems. I guess you classify it as common sense type thing. And then the last one is a work ethic. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. So today I'm talking to Ian Tal. Ian is the head of returns and product assessment for Tesco's nationally. He's an old friend of mine. And within this interview, he talks about the four key behavioral skills that they look for within Tesco's. He also talks about uh, the private sector recruitment process. He talks about the areas to evidence within your CV and how to prepare. And he also talks about how the skills of the emergency services and military professionals are sought after within the private sector. This interview took place uh, early November in, uh, in my back garden. And uh, so you'll hear birds, you may well hear voices in the background as well. Ian gives incredible insight into the private sector and their employment process and why we should take pride in our service history. Let's go over to Ian now. Hi, Ian. How are you? Yeah, good, Andy. How's things? Very good, thanks, mate. It's lovely to sat here on the uh, in, in beginning of November out in the back garden. It's absolutely stunning. I know. I know. It's a bit of a grey sky, but it's it's, uh, it's all good so far. It is. So Ian and I, um, we've been friends for for many many years, and uh, Ian is a senior manager within Tesco's. And we're going to touch on a few points today. But first, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, what you're currently doing, Ian, and how you managed to to be in this position? Yeah, of course, yeah. So I've been in the company for 14 years um, and probably for the majority of that time I spent looking after returns and refunds, um, what our policies are, how we go about refunding people, what we do with the stock, um, how we minimise the loss, all that kind of stuff. And then over the last kind of year or so, I look after now how we use all of our customer insight and information to drive product quality. So a lot more emphasis now on, I guess, what you classify as the core part of the business. Um, food and how we listen to what customers tell us about the products they're not so keen on and then how we work internally with the development teams and the technical teams to try and improve product quality so yeah yeah, it's a real shift much more in the spotlight over the last sort of six to eight months yeah absolutely and and um, and that's nationally as well isn't it so you deal with all of that for the the entire organization yeah exactly yeah and yeah and staff wise how many staff do you directly manage so I've got a team of nine um, and then more broadly than that we've got a total team of around about 60. Okay. Um, so the vast majority of those have been taken on in the last uh, six months or so. Okay. Yeah. How did you actually find yourself to be in the role that you're in? Because I know, obviously I know your background, but if you can explain a little bit around your career history, if you like, and, yeah. and your education and, and the fact that you've done so well and you're in the position that you are now with, with yeah. such a well-known organisation and, and being a senior manager in that organisation. Yeah, yeah. It just gives a little bit of background into your... Well, it's kind of you to say, um, well, the educational bit probably won't take that long. Uh, I think I came out with four O-levels, uh, one A-level in maths, um, went on to college, did a B-tech in business, pretty generic really. Um, went into a training managers when I, uh, with Sainsbury's back in the early 90s. Worked in stores for about five years and then managed to get sort of plucked from the store environment into, um, became a PA to one of the board directors. Such a fascinating role, you get much more of a, an idea about how a company actually runs um, when you sit at that sort of level. So, um, 
and then worked in Sainsbury's head office for five years or so, looking after various projects. Um, then moved across to Argos, working on business change stuff for about three years, and then fell into sort of returns management, um, bizarrely, which was a completely unexpected, um, but such a you know such a great opportunity to make a difference, both from a bottom line point of view and from a customer point of view. And then really got the opportunity to move across and do a similar thing with Tesco back in, um, when would it have been, 2006, uh, just before they moved their non-food business online. Um, and then was doing that role for probably 10 years or so as the business expanded and got more complex because of online and marketplace and dropship and all, all that kind of area. Um, and yeah, just uh, so where I am now, I guess as a consequence of... Um, all of the work that we've done over the years around returns and refunds and improving customer experience with reducing stock loss um, had the opportunity to move into into the role that I'm doing now. So why do you think with the education that you had, the educational background that you came from, um, what do you think are the key attributes and key skills then that have got you to the position that you're in now? Um, well, it was, it was drummed into me at an early age that there's probably four aspects that you need to try and be successful. And ideally, if you've got all four, uh, the sort of sky's the limit, and I, and I probably don't have all four. Um, the first one's, I guess, a real high level of intellect and intelligence through qualifications and all the rest of it, and that's probably the one that I don't have. Um, the, the next three, really, are, uh, I guess, your ability to collaborate and network and get on with people. Um, which in any organisation, particularly a big organisation, is important. I guess the third one is your ability to solve problems. Um, I guess you classify it as common sense type thing. And then the last one is a work ethic. So I've always been conscious that, you know, I might not be the most intellectual knife on the block, but I'd like to make up for that through a work ethic and the ability, hopefully, to apply common sense to problems. Um, and also network with people. I think Certainly working in a company like, or companies like Sainsbury's, Argos, uh, Tesco, big organisations, it's very, very difficult to land anything of any significance without interacting with lots of different people across the business. And it's a real delicate balance between, um, you know, stakeholder management. Um, at one extreme, you can end up getting bogged down in managing stakeholders, but at the same time trying to land stuff quickly. It's a real delicate balance trying to maintain both of those things and get stuff done. So, um, so yeah, I guess, I guess a work ethic, um, hopefully some common sense in order that you, t that you can see problems from different perspectives and also other people's perspective and also the ability to collaborate with people. Mm -hmm. So with Tesco's during the, during the interview process or any of the, these other organisations that you work for, part of their interview process, would that be to eke out these particular um, behavioural skills, if you like, so not so much the career side or the education side of things, but it's part of your interview process to really test those. Because ultimately, from an interview, if you're interviewing someone for your team, you want to know that they fit, they're mm. going to get on with other people, they, they do have that collaborative or that, you know, um, that ability to get on well with people and form part of the team. Does your interview process really look at that in great detail and how does it how does it actually do that yeah definitely i mean i think obviously the cv writing aspect is really really important to make sure that you're tailoring your cv to the sort of roles that you want to be getting um um you know be, be looking for but i think once you've got your foot through the door and you've got the ability to sit down and talk to someone it becomes much less about the 
well, in my experience, much less about the technical aspects because your CV demonstrates the fact that you can do that. And there might be some teasing questions, obviously, about um, making sure that that's true and that's the case and the extent of what that looks like. But I think what the interview process does um, from an applicant point of view and also from the employer is really tease out the behavioural side of things. Uh, and in Tesco at the moment, we try and focus on sort of five different areas, which I'll try and remember all five. Um, the first one's collaboration, you know, the ability to interact with people and develop networks. Um, the next one's empathy, um, the ability to put yourself in other people's shoes, whether that's from a customer point of view or an internal stakeholder's point of view. You then got uh, resilience. So, um, you know, the ability to react and deal with um, deal with situations under, under pressure. Um, you've got responsiveness, which is how rapidly and how quickly you can identify issues or opportunities and respond to them. And then the last one's kind of ideas, really, innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to kind of see opportunities from different aspects. Um, so I think the interview process is more for me about teasing out the behavioural experience that someone's got um, rather than necessarily some of the technical stuff. I mean, it all depends on what role you're recruiting for. Um, but I think if you're looking for people to land change across an organisation, particularly big companies, um, you know, the interview process is a, great op- is a great opportunity to try and tease out some of the more behavioural experience that, that people have got. Mm-hmm. So is there anything particularly you look for within a CV? Um, obviously you're looking for, t- for the technical skills, but I think what you're looking for is a demonstration that the person can solve problems, um, can develop networks, um, and that's shown probably that they can work cross-functionally across different divisions um, and land change in big organisations, ideally through collaborating with people. Um, but it all depends on what, on what kind of role you report, you're looking for. I think the other thing that, that probably gets teased out, certainly during the interview phase, is your fit with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in a big organisation where, where even the smallest of projects can involve you know, a number of different stakeholders. You're looking for that person to build bridges for the future. It's not just about that particular um, piece of work they're landing. You're wanting to make sure that the business itself is more collaborative because ultimately you're going to deliver things more quickly. So those behavioural attributes as well, those things that you're looking for within a CV and within the interview process, are they part of Tesco's um, performance culture and performance reviews and such like? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so <clears throat> obviously the task that you deliver and what you're in the business to deliver is critically important, the sort of what you deliver. Um, but over the, over the last few years of equal importance in the review process is how you do it. Mm. So you can deliver the best job in the world in terms of the, 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 the sort of quantum what you're delivering. Um, but if you're not delivering it in the right way, you're not building the right networks, you're not sharing the right level of you know, empathy or innovation, then, then you can, um, you know, to some extent, your, you know, your end of your review ratings cannot be as strong as they could be. Um, and I think the, the reason the business is trying to do that is because um, they, they, want a bit, they want a team, and ultimately a team can react more quickly and deliver a better set of results more quickly if it's collaborative and if it's, if it's resilient. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because it's not just about delivering the end result, but um, because you know that your pay review rating or your end of year review rating is based on how you do things, um, I think more people are conscious of it. Mm. Um, and also there's a, there's a sort of a mentoring uh, culture where particularly those people who are really keen to get on, they want to identify mentors who 
they don't necessarily work with, um, but there might be people around the business who are happy to provide that support and to try and tease out more of the behavioural skills. You know, somebody that spends time with you, not that they're necessarily interested in what you do, but it's more about how you, um, how you develop your uh, behavioural skill side of things. Yeah. So obviously you've very kindly a while back um, agreed to, to be a member of the Blue Light Leavers uh, Facebook group. And I know you've interacted with a few people within that group already and, uh, and, and be very helpful there. In terms of um, the skill set and experience that, you know, that a lot of cops have, the sort of stuff that you're talking about, um, we, we certainly match. But what about from an experience perspective? How, what, what would be the challenge in terms of, of, of showing that you've got suitable experience to actually fit some of these roles? Maybe not obviously at the sort of level that you're at, but as, as an entry level role or um, as a sort of middle management role, um, it, it's how to show that you have um, experience that is recognized within another organization. Mm. Do you have any, do you know of anyone that's sort of transferred across from policing or from the military maybe yeah. that, that don't have specific um, FMCG type um, experience, um, fast moving consumer goods, um, but have those necessary skills that, that can be recognized by these organizations? Yeah, there's, there's a few examples that spring to mind of different people. I, I won't call out necessarily who they are or what they do, but um, a guy that came from the military, very strong work ethic, very high standards, very process driven, um, you know, good way about him, very good communicator, as in didn't over communicate, um, you know, which I suspect is all a grounding in, in, in the way that he was shaped during his military career. And then, and then I can think of other examples of people who demonstrate very similar attributes actually that came from, well, in the case of the person I'm thinking of, the police. And actually the way you can see his background in the way he approaches his job in, in the current business that, that, that he's in. Um, and I think, I think there is a, there's a real benefit, that sort of clarity of thought, clarity of process, um, that needs to be really clear, um, which you don't necessarily always get from people who don't work in such tough environments as, um, you know, certainly either the military or the, uh, or the Blue Light organisation. Um, you do see those qualities really come out. So I think in terms of the the role that people are applying for, I mean, there's so many variable roles and you obviously try and tailor your CV accordingly to that role. But I think in terms of the stuff that gets called out during the interview process, you want to be pulling all of those aspects out about clarity of thought, resilience, the ability to deal under pressure, um, quick, clear, um, important communication, uh, not overly communicating. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely benefit through the interview process in trying to pull out those 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 skills mm -hmm. and do the organizations that you worked for previously do they have a particular type of interview process is it literally cv and you come in for an interview or is it and is it a formal interview process formal interview with with competency-based questions or is it a chat over a coffee and you know these different organizations some have different methods of of getting people through the door i think it varies um so there is an interview pack you know, there's all sorts of, you know, these are the different things that you go through, it's quite regimented. I think the practical reality though, um, is that in advance of that meeting, you will be pulling out what are the key parts of that pack that are relevant to, this, to, to the conversation. Um, so, 
and, and that and that that pack or that interview process will try and tease out a lot of the yes it will tease out some of the technical examples tell me about scenarios where you've demonstrated x y and z but really i think the majority of the focus is trying to pull out examples that demonstrate your behavioral skills rather than necessarily your technical skills um, so the more that you can prepare for an interview based on your behavioral skill set um, and those sort of examples of where, you, where can you demonstrate that you've been either resilient or responsive or innovative. Um, I, think, I think that's the sort of thing that ticks the boxes from an employability point of view. The, um, would you say potentially de-police some of these examples as much as you can so it, it is recognisable within a business environment? Um, obviously the, that's, that would be what we talk about, but we, can, we don't have to go into specifics or um, you know, I guess it's talking about the, the key areas, isn't it, really, and the example of a key area rather yeah. than actually... So it is actually people can recognise it within a business environment rather than being a policing background and can't really see the link. Uh, I don't necessarily think it matters that much. I mean, ultimately, if you've been in a police environment or fire or, um, you know, ambulance environment and that, that is your background, then those are the scenarios that you're going to call upon. So mm. I don't necessarily think that you have to in your words, de-police things. I think if it's an example that you can call on it's valid and it demonstrates your um, the behavioural aspect that you're trying to get across, then 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 call it out. Mm. You know, don't try and don't try and de-police it or find different examples. You know, that is who you are and that is the experience that you've got. You don't think that'll if you're up against other people who have a background within retail or within the sort of environment that you're working in, you don't think that would necessarily be a blocker. No, not at all. I mean, ultimately, if you're there for the interview, the person that's interviewing you knows that that's your background. Um, and if they were worried about that or had any issues with that, then particularly if you're up against other re other retailers, for example, um, you know, then then you may not have made it through to interview stage. So, so I think I think in that respect, I think you know, don't don't try and de-police it. I think it's an area that people should be massively proud of and and talk about examples openly and in a really positive way. That's brilliant, because I, I actually tell people to de-police it, and that was based on my, some of my own experiences, where yeah. um, I, I, I was told to de-police it because they didn't understand half of what I was talking about. So, yeah. uh, um, so it's really I guess it depends on the scenario, right? <clears throat> yeah, I guess so, I guess so, but I think it's really interesting to say, and I, and I can see the benefits, and obviously the beauty of this is, and what you're exhibiting is the fact that actually you know, if you've got those key core behaviours and the work ethic and that ability to collaborate and network and communicate well, um, that's what's really important. And yeah. applying <clears throat> to certain roles shouldn't hold you back because you don't necessarily think you've got the right experience for it. Mm. I guess if you see a role that you, that you think you could fit and you'd like to do more importantly, and you think you can add value to that particular organisation because of your skills, apply anyway. Just apply because if you're not, if, if they don't want you, then they'll knock you back at CV, and it's still part of the learning experience. Exactly, and, and I also think the other thing that we haven't really touched on is the need to be authentic. You know, you are who you are, and the background that you have, you can't change that, and it's something that you should be massively proud of. So, calling out examples of, you know, which are relevant and true to who you are is is massively authentic. And I think, you know, a big part of going through interviews and and, and that is that. Uh, and that kind of process is that people are looking to understand who, who the real you is. Mm. Um, so I think the more that you can be authentic in the process, uh, I think that, that can only count in your favour. Brilliant.
What about things like presentations and stuff like that? Do, do you get any of yours to have to do presentations with the interview process as well? Or are there any things outside of the interview that, that people have to do? Or is it fairly fixed that it's CV and then, um, and then interview? We haven't done that so far. Um, in the roles that I've recruited for, it's been more about... I think people do bring in examples of stuff that they've done. So rather than ask them to come in and do a presentation, they will, in order to demonstrate a particular skill, a particular example, they'll bring in examples of what they've done. So like a pack of, of, of yeah. some paperwork. So yeah. I, I do yeah. exactly that. So I always take in some, some examples of the work that I've yeah. done. And I know it doesn't necessarily give you additional points, but it, at least there's some evidence then, rather than you just talking about it, you've got some evidence to actually talk through. And, say that this, and I think what, what you also get across by doing that is that the, you also convey the fact that you've got a, te a technical skill, which is the ability to convert what you're thinking into a story, which you can then take people through, either through some sort of PowerPoint. So the ability to get your thoughts and your ideas down onto a structured story that makes sense to people and your stakeholders is a really important point. Um, it, it becomes to some extent more of a, a sort of a technical skill set and I think during the interview phase if you bring along examples of where you've demonstrated a particular behavioural skill you can also tick the box that says you know I've got the technical ability to create these sorts of things um, so yeah yeah the, the more that you can the more that you can demonstrate that kind of skill set the better Brilliant. private sector cutthroat difficult yeah. to get into and it's pressurised um, obviously you know we're with public sector through and through, which has its own challenges. Um, but the benefit of the private sector is generally it's, uh, it's a, it can be a career for life or uh, unless you make the decision to leave. Um, private sector doesn't quite work like that, does it? So what, what, do you, what do you think of the benefits and the pitfalls of working within the private sector? So, well, the private sector, I think, I mean, particularly on my, my experience of working for large retailers, um, mm fantastic companies to work for um, you know they do genuinely place an emphasis on culture um, but you know they like their they like they like their pound of flesh um, you know so and they're always looking for ways to be more efficient they're always encouraging their teams to be more efficient find ways to do things differently um, but it, it is a it's a fast-moving environment um, highly customer focused uh, and I think just the, the nature of the fact that, you know, you work in, well, the particular industry that I work in, I mean, it is, it is constantly changing. You know, the world around us is changing. I think we can all see that regardless of, you know, just as consumers. And I think businesses need to adapt and change accordingly. Um, and I think in some ways, the slight negativity of that is it creates a sense of, it can create a sense of vulnerability. Um, I think if there's a positive side of that, it does make people more focused to not only do a great job, that work ethic, it puts more emphasis on people um, wanting to demonstrate the leadership skills, mm -hmm. those behavioural skills that we talked about earlier on. Um, but yeah, if you're always looking for how can I improve things, how can I change, how can I be more productive, how can I improve things to customers, um, you know, you won't go far wrong. And it all ties in with those behaviours that we spoke about earlier, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Without a doubt, it's yeah. completely linked to that. And that work ethic is, is so, so key, so vital. Yeah. Um, any last hints and tips for, uh, for people that might be listening to this in terms of... Because a lot of the time what's holding people back is, is fear of change. They're comfortable, they're uncomfortable, but they're comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. 
And um, so really, you know, for anyone that wants to make that move and genuinely wants to make that move, uh, any last sort of hints and tips about maybe what to look for or how to evidence and those skills and attributes that you have? Or, or... I would say just be confident in your own background. Um, you know, the role that you've done, if you've done a great role historically and you've been in a, an organisation for a long time, you know, be confident about who you are, be confident about the, the things that you've delivered in the past and don't be afraid that those things will not be um, highly sought after in, in the private sector as well because they will be. Mm. They absolutely will be. Um, you know, there's not this sudden, there's not this kind of mythical skill set that people in the private sector hold that people in the public sector don't. You know, the, the skills that people have in those sorts of lines of work in the, in the public sector are massively sought after in the, pub, in the private sector as well. So be confident in your own ability, be confident in your own skills and, um, and embrace change. Fantastic. Thanks for your time, Ian. Really do appreciate it. It's um, a fantastic interview. You're welcome, really Andy. Insightful. No, it's really good to talk to you. Um, if people want to connect with you at all, what's going to be the best way of, of reaching out to connect you? So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, uh, that's probably the best way, really. Okay. Yeah, search me up on LinkedIn and um, ping me an invite request. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Good Brilliant. to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much to Ian for his time and for just giving us a great insight there into how the private sector works and the recruitment process. I know you're going to get a huge amount from that interview. Um, if you like what you've heard, then please subscribe and please leave a review. And you can also join us on the private Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash blue light levers. And I look forward to seeing you there. Speak to you again soon. Bye bye.